Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. To never, ever give up hope. I am so thankful to all my listeners around the world. Our show is now in over 120 countries, and that just indicates to me how much people are looking for hope, for a thread. Sometimes that's all they have to hang on to, to change their circumstances. And that's what this show is about, sharing stories of people who have overcome incredible odds, insurmountable circumstances, and became successful when they didn't think there was any other, any way but down. Each one of my guests has a remarkable story to tell and I am so thankful for my guests as well. They come from every corner of the globe and always have something encouraging, inspiring to share. Doesn't matter where we come from, what our ethnic background is, what our financial position is, what our educational background is. We all have come to a place in our life where we wonder what the next step is going to be. And sometimes those places are pretty dark. And so it's wonderful to have a show such as this one that can give encouragement, inspiration, and tips, coping skills. And that's what my guest today is going to share, who was at a place, just as we mentioned, where there was little hope, and yet he completely turned his life around. And I'm so excited to have with us today today, Chris Kadowski. Hi, Chris. Hi, Carol. How are you doing? We're good. And I hear you're at one end of the world, or sorry, one end of the country, and I'm at the other. So what's your weather like today in Florida? Oh, my goodness. It is uh, 80 degrees and pretty sunny today. So I'm, I'm miserable. You know, if uh, <laughs> there's nothing to complain about, you complain about the weather anyways. That, that's how I roll. Oh, I hear you. Even so- if it's beautiful. That's right. You have to find something to complain about. Something. I got to get all this tension and anger. There you You go. I got to direct it towards something. (laughs) What I can't control and what what won't even argue back with me. Dang you, weather. You're terrible. You're too sunny today. I think you're going to have a lot to share today. I can hear it. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm just ready to explode. I am absolutely just ready to explode. Well, let's introduce you a little bit, and then we'll we'll start from um, when you were at that place of hopelessness. Okay, make Chris, sure it sounds really sad, please. Okay, make, well, that's really up to sad. you. <laughs> Chris has a bachelor's in social science, a master's in kinesiology. He has been a strength coach for 18 years, and this is really impressive. He has trained Navy SEALs and professional athletes. He has more than eight certifications related to health and wellness, and he's the author of two books, 
One is entitled The Death of the Diet, and the other one, The Everspace, Utilizing the Power of God and Neuroscience to Create Stillness Within. Very interesting titles, and I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. Okay, here we go, Chris. Welcome. Thank you. Now, there was a time in your life that your world was kind of crashing in all around you. And you had mentioned this in a few places when I was reading your your intros in your bio. And it, it, it was sad because you were at a place where you didn't know where to turn. And three things happened to you all at once. Why don't you share that story with us? Okay. Uh, they, they happened all at once. And a lot of times, you know, it just seems like it's back to back to back. But there was a pretty decent amount of space in between it. It happened over the course of about three years. Uh, if I can remember correctly, Paulo Coelho said life tests you either by nothing happening at all or by everything happening at once. And at this point, even though it wasn't happening you know, day after day or month after month, it felt like just one thing after another. And it was just like, come on, when, when am I going to get a break? Like, What is going on with my life right now? So the first one, which was sort of foreseeable, was my mother had contracted cancer and she was battling very admirably and ended up losing that battle. And I was just set to be married. So this was a really tough time in my life where I was like, man, you know, I'm about to marry my wife and my mom passed away. And it was kind of like a a little bit of a catch 22 you know am i am i sad am i angry am i happy do i just pretend that i'm happy i did the best that i could the tension was there my wedding was amazing everything was great and it was shortly after that period of time where i had a friend of mine who actually employed me he end, ended up contracting a mental disease for a short period of time. He was having his own struggles that he was going through and mentally just lost his position in the world for probably a good two to three months. And our relationship is still good this, to this day, but my employment with him ceased rather abruptly. Okay? <laughs> so I ended up Uh, becoming a head coach of a CrossFit gym. And it was about eight months after that. I got a call on a Friday night and uh, these business partners of mine said, hey, don't go into work tomorrow. We sold the gym. You no longer have a job. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. All right, here we go. So my wife and I at the time had decided like, you know what? Enough is enough. I've been doing this for a really long period of time. uh, Strength conditioning, that is. I'm going to start my own gym. I started my own gym. My wife and I were 50-50 partners. I was running the gym close to 98% of the time. She didn't have any fitness education or knowledge. She wasn't a coach. So I was coaching all eight classes each day. I was also... have a soft tissue business as well that I help people to uh, help and cure their injuries. So I was doing about two to three, sometimes up to five appointments with that a day. And business was going fairly decent. Business was going good. I was getting a little burnt out, but everything was all right. Uh, Ended up coming into the gym one day to train. It was a Saturday, a beautiful Saturday. I uh, ended up performing a lift, and my entire left knee exploded on me. Oh, my goodness. So I tore three tendons in my left knee and one ligament. I had an MRI. Yep, you got to get surgery. I had the surgery. And as I'm 
laying on the floor after my surgery uh, in the most incredible pain of my life, my wife ends up telling me that she doesn't want to be with me anymore. And I just kind of like I was so numb with everything kind of building up and not really dealing with any of these things in the process as they came about that uh, I reacted actually quite calmly. I was just like, okay, you know, what do you want to do with, uh, with our properties? What do you want to do with the business? And she was a little bit taken aback by that. She was kind of like, oh, you know, I know that you're uh, – now I see you're just all about money. And I'm sitting here like I, I literally can't think about anything because of how much my knee hurts after this surgery. Like I really am not prepared right now to deal with it. Not to drag the story on, what I ended up finding out was she actually fell in love with one of my members. So now I'm sitting here like, what what do I do? Now I can't even go into work. I'm trying to be as impartial to this gentleman as I can. But they had been kind of back and forth in a little bit of a relationship outside of the gym while I was running the gym. And in the meantime, both of them are coming into the gym every single day and training. And I just like at that point, I I just kind of like fell into a victim stage. I was just like, nobody <laughs> loves me. My mother's gone. My own friend even went crazy. Like now I can understand why he did that. And uh, I got married and I thought it was for life. And now I find out that it's complete crap that there's no such thing as being married for life and this ring doesn't mean anything. And really, I piled all of these negative emotions on top of myself. And I started to, every single day, just feel more and more victimized, yet had to go to work and put on a happy face. I had 87 members in my gym, and they're all there to see me. And they need me to pay attention to how they're exercising so they don't get hurt. So I needed to be completely on top of my game without having things fall apart. And what ended up happening was what I pretty much call my saving grace. So there were two aspects of it. Number one, I started, my wife blamed me for everything. And as we went to therapy, the therapist started blaming everything on her. So she no longer wanted to go to therapy. So I said, you know what, if she says that this is my fault, I am going to look within. I'm going to start working on myself to see if I can improve myself in the efforts of maybe she'll see that and then want to come back. So I started to do a lot more self-reflection and reading, reading books that will help with self-improvement and whatnot. And one day... After reading Polishing the Mirror, finishing Polish the Mirror, Polishing the Mirror by Ram Das, I woke up the next day. And as soon as I woke up, I had something say in the middle, in the center of my brain. It just said meditation vacation. And I had never meditated before in my life. I was never interested in meditating before. I don't know anybody that meditates. So I started looking them up. I found one in Assisi, Italy that seemed completely oh, just so incredibly relaxing and it just it, it complete when you think about meditation in any sense of the word. So I went there. My first day meditating, I have this thought pass through my head that said, this isn't happening to you. It's happening for you. 
And it completely shifted everything that was going on in my head, in my heart, in every cell in my body. And then I found out like eight months later that Tony Robbins had said it first a long time ago. And I was just like, Tony, dang it. You know, like, why do you got to take my, my stuff, my, my, key, <laughs> my key insight Tony already had? But I had never heard him. I ne- had never heard him say that before. It literally, it passed through my mind. And what I ended up doing from that point on was I, I said, you know what? This is happening for me. What can I do in order to make this occurrence a benefit rather than acting like a victim? I enhanced my business, I wrote a book, and I started meditating regularly. Now, as I started to do these things, a whole bunch of other areas of my life started to grow. And I basically ended up turning a whole bunch of negative occurrences into what I'm doing now, which I feel is extremely positive and helpful for a lot of people. And I ended up shutting my gym down. I I no longer own my gym. And what I do is I just do life coaching now. And it seems kind of silly, like when you hear someone say, oh, I have a life coach. But the thing about it is that every single one of us, wherever we are right now, we could probably look back and say, you know what, there's this one person or this one time or this one occurrence that helped me be where I am today. So the type of person that I think I am is one of those people that just continuously helps you. It's kind of like that objective um, mind thought or objective person that that has that 30,000 foot view that's saying, I'm just the observer. Like You come to me with all your problems. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to judge anybody. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to be that that unbiased voice that's going to say either you're right or you're wrong. And guess what? I still love you. You said a lot. Yes. <laughs> told you I was exploding today. <laughs> that's I exploding. right. No, there was a lot in there. And as I'm listening, one of the things that really hit me was you had an attitude shift when you began to look at yourself. Right. And that's total opposite to what a lot of people do when we're pointing the fingers at other people and having the oh, pity party. It's so the blame you, game. Exactly. And, and where where does it stop? That's that that was my question to myself. Where does it stop? If she keeps blaming me, I keep blaming her and then I'm blaming life and then I'm blaming cancer and my mom and all the oncologists for my mom dying. Like where where what does that do? That doesn't move me forward. It keeps me stuck. So what would you suggest to people who are in that place? The people who are in that place, first and foremost, and I know it's very challenging, but I am a huge, huge advocate of meditation right now. And I don't meditate in the sense of where I just lock myself in a room and empty my mind, clear my thoughts and focus on my breathing. I actually do an active type of meditation with a program called Holosync. And and basically what the program does is it it creates a whole bunch of stressors for your mind and your central nervous system so you can deal with stress easier in your normal life, okay? But I I don't want to make this program about that program. What I really want people to do is question their own knowledge, okay? And that's what ended up helping me write the Everspace 
was I sat back and I said, you know, what what do I really know? Like, am I really certain that I know these things in life? Is this really correct? And when I started to self-reflect and when I started to see like, okay, like, yeah, there are a couple aspects of my personality that I need to adjust. I can't be like that all the time or I shouldn't have been like that. But you know what? I didn't hate my myself for it. I didn't try to rewind. I didn't try to be like, oh, I shouldn't have been like that. I acknowledged it and said, you know what? If I want to have a better relationship the next time with my girlfriend, I need to make this change and I need to make sure that this stuff doesn't creep back up in that relationship. And, and that's what I did. With the Everspace, it's basically seven different principles that I use in my daily life to remind me not to be the way I used to be. At what point did you change your attitude towards yourself? Like, did you ha- deal have to deal with self-hatred at all when you were going through that transition? Uh, you know what? I wouldn't really say self-hatred. There, there wasn't really any part of myself that I hated. There were certain ways that I was feeling that I didn't like. And it was a lot of mind thought. It was a lot of mind positions that I really thought were correct about the world that I ended up realizing were not so very correct. And the way that I was thinking was causing the way that I was feeling. So once I started to realize like, hey, if I take different positions on this stuff, if I question my own knowledge, I can actually create different beliefs and different values. And it's our beliefs and it's our values that I fully believe create a lot of tension in our life. Okay, It's the I'm right, you're wrong. You're a Trump supporter. That means you're basically a feminist, hate all women, and you want to kill every immigrant that's in the world. No, no, that's not who I am at all. That's not what I'm saying. So I refuse at a lot of points to take immediate positions on things. And that basically means refusing to judge, even refusing to judge your own thoughts. Okay, so I'm not going to sit there. If I feel some tense thought come through my head before, I will be like, yeah, Chris, you're right. That person's wrong. And now when that thought arises, I step back and I become the observer. I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense right now, dude. Like, you're so funny thinking that. And I kind of take a, a position in some cases of almost humor. And I started to learn this through Kyle Cease when he was saying that when he meditates in the morning, he basically sits back and just watches the comedy show. And he says that every single thought that comes through his mind he kind of laughs at rather than grasping and, and uh, saying, yes, this is the holy grail of knowledge right here. I'm 100% correct on this thought. So in a sense, we, we don't become biased towards our thoughts. It's a lot easier to stop judging things as bad or good. It just is. It just is. And what can I do to make it better? Rather than saying, oh my goodness, this is so terrible. Let me go and gather as much sympathy as I can. Let me go and agree with these people over here and make these people my enemy. And we just, we don't collectively as a species and individually, we just don't get anywhere when we're doing something like that. We're not growing and we're not becoming better people that that can serve others. We're we're separating ourselves and secluding ourselves. 
Many people are quick to judge, as <laughs> that's no news flash. And do you feel that sometimes you have to change your initial response when you're thinking of uh, see somebody or thinking of or a situation Absolutely. or whatever? So what uh, what secret do you have for that, and how do you get that control over that negative thought? This is actually an interesting one, and I, I learned it from James Altisher in his book, Choose Yourself. And he talks about judging and adding a question mark to your statement. So if you look at someone and you're like, those shoes don't match that purse, all you have to do is add a question mark. Those shoes don't match that purse? And it kind of creates a different context in your mind. I really don't like the way that guy was speaking. I really don't like the way that guy was speaking. And once again, like I was saying, it goes back to really questioning what you know and questioning what you believe. Is that correct? It's like, who told me in my life that divorce is bad? Because that's what I always feared. I feared Mm -hmm. divorcing. My parents were divorced. My ex-wife's parents were divorced. Before we got married, we sat down and said, is divorce ever on the table? And we both agreed no. Okay, but there became a time where all I was doing was being manipulated and we weren't working towards a collective solution for our marriage. So I ended up having to pull the plug. I was the one that was like, I'm never going to get divorced ever in my life. So I started to kind of question, like, who told me divorce was bad? Why is it bad? And in my mind, I just started to realize, like, it's just a little bit more paperwork than a breakup with a girlfriend. So when I started to view it from that standpoint, I was better able to release all of that tension. And it just became another thing that I had to do in my life. And, you know, the day that I got divorced, I walked away and I realized, you know what, that was just like any other day in my life because I'm going to choose to lead a positive life after this and I'm not going to pretend that I'm a statistic. I'm not going to sit there and talk poorly and badly. And that's that's not what this is about. This isn't a I want to bash my ex-wife type of session. I'm trying to be as impartial as possible. I tried to see things the way that she could or that she was seeing them and also mix them with how I was feeling. And I just started to realize that there was no middle ground. There, there wasn't any more middle ground anymore between us. And it was at that point where I said, you know what? I love myself too much to keep this going. And I really feel that by releasing all of that, my, my life has been nothing but incredible ever since. It's done a th- complete 360 degree. Okay. And what a lot of people will do is they will cling to that. They won't let it go. And you <laughs> stay stuck. You exactly. stay stuck. Exactly. Just like I said before. Perception. It's, yes. it's you know, it's how you it's how you perceive the situation and what you're going to take from it. Yep, absolutely. Excellent. I talk a lot about in the ever space too about developing our intuition, and that's what a lot of us these days often neglect. We like to think a lot more with our heads than we do with our hearts, and we get this gut feeling and just dismiss it, and then we find out that we were right. And it makes us even more sick. So what happens? (laughs) The next time that gut feeling comes up, we dismiss it again. 
And I was like, for three months uh, of, of this 10-month battle with my ex-wife of trying to resolve our differences, I had a gut feeling that was saying, you know, just end it, just end it. just. And I kept on dismissing it, kept on dismissing it. And the day that I did, I felt absolutely incredible. And my life has been absolutely incredible ever since. So there was some intuitive nature, something telling right, me like, look, right. things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. And it all comes down to faith. And Julia Cameron, who wrote an, an amazing book called The Artist's Way, she said, faith comes down to this simple sentence, leap and the net will appear. And so <laughs> many good. of us, right? 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 So Absolutely. many of us are afraid to make that first step. And what I find out and talk about in my book as well is whenever fear arises or whenever we say we can't do something, it simply means we have not done it before. Let's switch gears for a minute because I'm very interested in your amazing career of training professional athletes. Now, I understand that that possibly came from uh, your experience in the gym and, and your your education. But let's take it a step further and tell us what is unique about your technique. Oh, man, what's unique about my technique would probably be the, the universal approach to it all, okay? The universal and the systemic approach to it all. A lot of people would think that I would train my stay-at-home moms a lot different than I would my professional athletes, and it's simply not the case. There are exercises and there's our, there are ways of doing things that actually benefit us all. It's just the intensity at which I apply it. Okay, so if I know okay. that an exercise is going to work really, really well for one of my top athletes, I will apply that exercise in the same manner with people who aren't as gifted physically, but just in a less intensive in a less intensive a manner okay so they're still getting the astounding benefit of this exercise but applied to their own body okay does okay. that make sense yes it does yes and you had quite a career are you still doing that are you still yes. training? and you obviously love it yeah, absolutely love it. I haven't worked a single day in my life. I, I've expended a lot of energy, <laughs> and I've um, I've almost burnt myself out a couple of times, but I haven't worked a day ever since I turned 19 and decided to become a strength coach. Right now, I, I'm not attached to any one physical brick-and-mortar building. I do a lot of consulting. I'm writing my third book right now on eradicating back pain, and Really, this is where I'm starting to fall a little bit even more into my niche because I'm able to reach more people. I'm working with people in Ohio. I'm working with people across the state on the west side of Florida, and I'm working with people in California as well. So by creating this virtual or online uh, production, I am actually able to help a lot more people. Uh, than I would if I was here, where I, at my gym I only had about 87 people that I was helping, and, and now my reach is just that more vast. Wow, that's incredible. And speaking of health, uh, I when I was reading over uh, your website, etc., you had written an awesome article on the immune system, and you said something that totally resonated with me, and I'd like you to expound on that if you would. This is the statement you said. 
Are we really getting sick because of a virus or bacteria that has entered our body? Or do we get sick because we have created such a toxic atmosphere inside our body that our immune system is compromised? And also when you answer that, I'm assuming you mean that that refers to both the uh, mental and the physical. To segue into that, I'll tell a real quick story about Derek Rose, who is possibly one of the greatest basketball players um, in, in the NBA right now that uh, doesn't really play a whole lot. Okay, so this gentleman in the past couple of years has had, I want to say, close to three or four surgeries on the same ACL that, uh, oh that he goodness. tore. Okay. And he constantly pulls hamstrings and muscles. And what do we find out about Derek Rose? We find out that this gentleman only eats candy. Oh, and I know what? that sounds kind of funny. It's like, man, come on. Like, how can this person, how can this guy only eat candy? But there are guys that used to live with him. And then there are guys that actually um go on the road with him and they say you know i've never seen him eat a square meal i've never seen him sit down and have like a chicken breast and some vegetables what? he'll That's he'll amazing. go and get skittles he'll have a bag oh. of skittles he'll have a bag of twizzlers or whatever and what is any what's happening to Derek? He, his body is failing him no okay so if we put junk in our body it's no wonder that it breaks down and everybody would look at you and say, duh, if you told them that you were putting the same amount of diesel into your, your gas tank as you were gasoline and didn't understand why it wasn't working. Exactly. But then there, there are people that put really terrible processed food into their body and they're just like, man, I don't know why I'm always tired or I don't know why I don't have any energy or I don't understand why I look like this or that. You can make up, create any excuse that, that you'd like, but the fact remains is that if you don't put good food in your body, you create a toxic environment. And then when more toxins come in in the form of viruses, our body is not able to fight mm-hmm. them off as efficiently mm-hmm. and we get sick. The same thing applies mentally. Which you, If you're putting negative thoughts in, you're not going to come up with a positive, uh, positive thought, are you? Right, right. Negative psychological weight is a very, very real thing. You can sometimes see it just by looking at somebody, and you can sometimes feel it by being close enough to somebody. Be like, man, you know, like, what's what's going on with you today? Is everything all right? Uh, you know, it's just this. My job sucks, and I hate where I live, and my car. I wish I had a brand-new Camaro. And, you know, all of these negative thoughts and feelings are coming out, and you're looking from the outside saying, you know what? Your life really isn't that bad, dude. Your, your life really isn't that bad. And, you know, even people that are in poverty in the United States have more than probably close to one to two billion people on this planet. But still, like I said, when we started, I I still want to find something to complain about. And it just keeps you in that place. You have nobody to blame but yourself. Nobody. That's like the, I'm sure you've heard this before, when people are giving you directions to get from one place to another, they will tell you how many stoplights there are. And whenever somebody says that, I always, why do they call it a stoplight? 
Why are we always geared to think of things in the negative, even something that insignificant? How many green lights do we have? Right. To go through? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to stop I'm I'm, I'm going to start saying that from now on. There you Con- go. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell us about your books. Okay, my first book, The Death of the Diet, A Guide to Knowing Health for the Rest of Your Life. Both of them are available on Amazon, but uh this is actually a book written to a specific genre of people. It is there is no diets in the book. Basically, I break down all of my nutritional knowledge and say, "Look, if you are willing to eat this way for the rest of your life, you're never going to have to be on a diet. And guess what? You right. can always eat what you would like to eat. The primary fault with nutrition is eating things at specific times that your body really doesn't deal with too well. So we can still eat the food that we'd like to, but if we eat them at different times, they have a different effect in our body. Okay? Give us so an example. This, okay. A lot of people love to wake up and eat carbohydrates in the morning, but what we end up finding out through physiological mechanisms is eating sugar or carbohydrates in the morning causes our body to make new fat cells. Okay, so what's the what, what is the job of a fat cell? The job of a fat cell is to get full. So it starts sending signals back to the brain saying, "Hey, dude, I, I want quick energy, quick energy. Come on, give me some more of that sugar so I can fill up." All right? So when we start to transform this and eat all of our uh, you know breads and maybe carbohydrates at night it has a completely different result in the body the body cannot make new fat cells and it's not as willing to store that energy as well so just making a simple change like that like just waking up and having some bacon and eggs or something like that can really kickstart um, a, a decrease in weight or, or weight loss. And you share this in that book? Yes. Okay, yes, excellent. Very good point. And what about your second book? The Everspace, as I alluded to before, was pretty much just a, a guidebook for me to reference back to in order to live well. Okay, and my primary complaint on my own life was just the internal tension that I had. There was no stillness. There was no operating from an aspect of of impartialness or unbiased or just being able to act. It was always a reaction. And I didn't like these reactions that I was having. So what I ended up doing was creating a little bit of a roadmap and saying like, okay, something goes wrong. If something is happening that I don't like, that I'm having tension with, I need to go through these steps. And usually nine times out of 10, it's always one of those things that can kind of bring me back home and bring me centered, make make me centered again. So by publishing it and putting it out there, once again, self-help books, they're not for everybody. But if you're constantly walking around with a type of tension that you don't like, this may be the book for you. It may be able to help you, and I sincerely hope that it does. There are some people – I mean I'm from New York originally. There are some people that love walking around with that tension, with that sort of hardcore persona. This isn't the book for you. 
don't don't <laughs> pick it up. Okay, but if you're walking around and you're just like, man, I wish that I could be I wish that I could have less tension in my body. I wish that I could be more impartial when my boyfriend or girlfriend did this. I wish that I could understand my wife's p- position better when she did that. Then this may be the book for you. This you may be you'd be able to find something of use in this book that is going to totally clear up that tension for you. And you're going to realize, you're going to be like, hey, man, like this is a better way to live. I'm assuming that you deal with fear and rejection in there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because I can see that, that that's especially what's, what's what is going on in our country. I'm seeing that more and more as I talk to people. Um, yeah. They have to learn how to cope with the different fears that have, you know, uh, that we are now facing regularly daily and also the rejections yeah yeah absolutely so absolutely. That, <clears throat> very good well is there a call to action chris that you would like to give our audience call to action there's a couple of them if you guys want to continue the conversation i always welcome you going to my facebook author page which is christopher j kidowski k-i-d-a-w-s-k-i you can hit me up on twitter at chris kidowski Go to my website and enter your email address in one of the pop-up boxes, which is www.downloadingdaily.com, or go and grab one of the books on Amazon, and a lot of that information is in there as well. Uh, I always love hearing back from any of my readers, whether it's good, bad, or anything in between. I take no offense to anything anybody has to say. Um everybody is entitled to their own position or their own opinion that's absolutely right and that's the that's the attitude that we all want to try to maintain so i thank you for that chris it's been awesome you have had uh so much to share i made my notes very quickly <laughs> as i was trying to follow uh different things that you said and to share also in the show notes because you made some very key points and i appreciate that you are very clear and concise and focused and you certainly gave us a lot of food for thought and things that we can do and encouraged us and also to pick up your books check out your website i already have it's awesome i appreciate it many of the articles that you wrote on what was the name of it again downloading downloadingdaily.com downloadingdaily.com thank you so again chris thank you you've been an awesome guest i appreciate everything you shared and we look forward to hearing about that new book when do you plan on having that one out that's going to be done at the end of april beginning of may oh perfect okay then maybe we'll need to have you come back and talk about that as well absolutely i'd love nothing more all right thank you chris and goodbye thank you take care Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.